So uh, welcome to our, welcome back, I should say, to our Sunday Bhagavatam class. As you know, well, as you may know, the last three Sundays, I did these special programs with a uh, devotional science institute. Oops, I should get a little more neat here. In uh, Delhi. And so I thought, it was, and so I hope you were able to watch those programs. I thought they were very important. So I, um, so last three Sundays, I was doing that. And now we're back to our regular Bhagavatam class, which I hope will not be interrupted again. <clears throat> So, um, we begin today with um, let's see where to go. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I have the verse, and it just um, it just disappeared. So let me see if I can find that. Um, oh, there it is. Okay, Twilight Zone experience. <clears throat> so one fifteen eleven. <clears throat> Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So this is Arjun speaking. Jo no Jugopa Vana Itya Duranta Kritrat Durvasa So Tri Durvasa So Ari. Rachitat mm, Ayutagravu Jaha Shakana Shishtam uh, Upayuja Yatastrilo King Triptang Amongsta Salile Vinimagna Sangha Sangha. So this is the pastime where uh, Duryodhana arranged or tricked or requested Durvasamuni. It's not precisely clear whether Durvasa knew how he was being engaged in this devious, malicious plot. But uh, Duryodhana knew that Durvasa was, frankly, a one of those. I don't want to say typical, but not atypical, great sages who has anger management problems. And I thought I would, anyway, so Duryodhana convinces Durvasa to go to the Pandavas who are in the forest just at the time after they finished eating because uh, Draupadi had this boon that she could supply unlimited food uh, until she ate or something like that, and then, and then it ended. So uh, Duryodhana and Mr. Vasa to go after the Pandavas and Draupadi had all eaten, uh, and to go there expecting hospitality to expect a meal. Now, of course, Durvasa is is one of those characters who it's kind of um, you could say um, paradoxical if not contradictory, that he's a so-called great sage, in some ways a great sage, but he, he really does have what we would call anger management issues. He flies off the handle, as they uh, say in English. For example, there's a story of Durvasa and uh, Ambarish Maharaj, where same thing. 
I mean, when it, I mean, Durvasa is very sensitive about his eating. You know, he's a sage, and it's like, I think there's some real humor here in the text because, I mean, clearly, the Bhagavatam is aware that there's always this glorification of Brahmins. One has to serve the Brahmins. The greatest defense is to offend the Brahmins, and so on. And yet, you you have these Brahmins who really are out of control. And in the case of Durvasa, it's about his eating. He gets really angry if he's not fed properly. Not the typical sign of spiritual advancement. So perhaps the message here of the Bhagavatam is that just because someone is a so-called highly placed Brahman, the person may not be that spiritually advanced. So Dravasa went with 10,000 disciples. That's another thing. I mean, it's, I guess it's sort of perpetual padiatra or something, but to travel with 10,000 disciples, uh, yeah, I guess my first reaction is, why would you want to do that? But anyway, uh, who am I to judge? So so that, that's also unusual. I mean, I think there's some real tongue-in-cheek smiling at these Brahmins or these sages because you have all these injunctions about serving and honoring Brahmins and this sort of balances it. It makes it very clear that some of these people, these Brahmins are really, you know, they, they don't seem to have anything like ideal character. So anyway, so Durvasa went there according to plan and there was no food left to give him, and so he went. He went to bathe in the river. Actually, he went. They went to. He went to bathe in the river with his ten thousand disciples, like this huge mega swimming party. And um, and so the Pandavas didn't know what to do. Draupadi prayed to Krishna. He supplied unlimited. Actually, what he did is he made Dravasa and all of his followers feel as if they just seriously overeaten you know sometimes you eat so much that if someone offers you like one more grain of rice or a grape or anything it's just like no you know you just can't stand the idea of eating one because you're just so stuffed and so that's the way they were they um so just jugoba bunny atheist so the Arjun says one who protected us so the first words of this verse are uh yo means one who no there means us. And Jugopa, protected, like Gopala, the protector. So the one who protected us, the one who protected us, Vane Etya Duranta Krichad Durvasa. So he protected us from a Duranta Krichad, from a really difficult situation. Duranta in Sanskrit, anta means end, and duranta means a bad end, something that's going to really, like, there's no way out. That's uh, the word duranta. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of an interesting word. Let's see, there's my little trusty Sanskrit dictionary. So the word, I think it's interesting for you to get an idea of the range of meanings. Uh, having a bad end. Well, having a bad end. Duranta, miserable. Can also mean infinite, literally having no end. So, um, whoops. Just, um, 
Sorry about that. We, uh, uh, I hit the wrong button. My bad, as, as the saying goes. So anyway, uh, so getting back to this verse, um, I have to get the verse back now. There we go. So Joe no Jugoba Vanaitia Duranta Kritcha. So the one who protected us in the forest, coming there, Krishna came there protected us in the forest from the um, from the terrible danger from Durvasa. So again, we have a sage who has, you know, an anger problem. Ardi Rachitad, and from that danger which was arranged by our enemy. Duryodhana arranged us. So Ardi means enemy. Ardi Rachitad, a, a danger that was arranged by the enemy. And and so that Durvasa was a person who uh, would feed uh, Ayuta, you know, like 10,000 people. He, he eats uh, Ayuta Agrabu. He eats first and then his 10,000 followers eat. So, I mean, I mean, the whole thing is kind of, to be honest, uh, it kind of makes you wonder, because how could Durvasa seriously think that he could just show up in the forest where these five brothers and their wife Draupadi are living and say, okay, we're going to bathe and we're going to come back in 20 minutes and I want you, you know, you have to feed 10,000 people, 10,001. I mean, seriously? It's just so unreasonable. It's so... And then to get angry if, if if someone, you don't just show up and then, okay, you have 15, 20 minutes while I'm bathing to get food for, uh, you know, 10,000 people. Plus, when Durvasa came, he could have easily seen the Pandavas had already finished eating. So if you wonder, like, what's going on with these people? He's a great sage, so we can't offend him, but... Uh, his his behavior is um, it seems whimsical and uh, proud and uh, abusive and this kind of personality trait, of course, got him in a heap of trouble when he cursed uh, Umbarish. and the curse came back at him. The, the Sudarshan Chakra began to chase him, so that was. Um, uh, Ambarish Maharaj ruled before the Pandavas. This is long before the Pandavas. So Durvasa had already almost got himself killed. He was chased all over the universe and outside the universe by the Sudarshan Chakra. And now here he is again, same anger management problem, uh, same unreasonable demands. And so you wondered, wonder, did he learn anything? Or... Is it just the Bhagavatam uses him as a foil, as 
you know, as, as sort of like the, a very well-known uh, example that everyone could understand of the uh, angry, unreasonable Brahman. But anyway, so so that's true. So it's I think the Bhagavatam is teaching us obviously clearly that there are such people. I mean, on the one hand, you have to honor the Brahmins, but on the other hand, some of them are really, let us say, problematic. So uh, we will uh, go back to the verse now. So Shakana system. Upayuja. So shaka is uh, generally spinach, and anna is rice. There's a little spinach and rice preparation. And shistam, the remnants. So upayuja, upayuja, engaging or taking that uh, remnant of spinach and rice. Uh, the word upayuja uh, in Sanskrit. Um, means uh, okay one second get that for you because that's what Krishna did to take for oneself appropriate so Krishna took for himself he took for himself the remnant the remnant which is the word system the remnant of spinach and rice and, and it wasn't like a meal it wasn't a plate full it was just system. It was just the leftovers, just the remnant. And it actually doesn't say uh, the remnants of food stuff. Probably translates it remnants of food stuff. So I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean just a tiny little bit. It's just what was left over. Shakana system upayuja yatas, and from that, from Krishna's taking the remnant of that spinach and rice yatas, from that trilo king triptang amongst us. Selile uh, Vinimagna Sangha. The Vinimagna Sangha, the group of the people, Dervas and his followers, that's the Sangha who are Vinimagna, who are bathing in the water. Selile um, means in the water. They were immersed, actually, literally, Vinimagna, immersed in the water. Amongst us, they thought that not only are we stuffed, as we say in English, like really full, but the three worlds are satisfied. It's like the whole, the whole three worlds, no one in the universe can take another bite of food. And so it's sort of this very, um, very uh, picturesque scene, very vivid scene. So, Jono, Jugopa, Vanaitya, Duranta, Kachat, Durvasa, Sodi, Rachitad, Ayutagra Vujaha Shakana system of Ayuja Jatastrilo King Triptang amongst the Salile Vinimagna Sangaha. So that's that verse. Now we'll go to the next verse. Yatejasa Atta Bhagavan Yuti Shulapanir Vismapitak. So giri jo strangadan nijang me anyepi chaham amunaiva kalevarena prapto mahendra bhavane maharasanardam. So, um, yet tejasa by whose power, 
Prabhupada says, Bayu's influence in the word for word. Tejas, Bayu's Tejas. Bayu's influence, Bayu's power, Bhagavan, which here refers to Lord Shiva. Uh, Bayu's power, Bayu's influence, the, the Lord with a trident in his hand. Shula means a trident or a spear. So Lord Shiva had a trident spear in his hand. And Yudhi, in the battle, Vismapitak, he was astonished. He was amazed. Pearl translates Vismapita, astonished. Vismapito uh, Sagirijo, he was astonished along with his wife, who is Parvati, the name Parvati comes from the word Parvata, which means a mountain, and she was born for the mountain. So here uh, she's called Girija, which means mountain born. So Shulapani, Lord Shiva, with his famous trident in his hand, he was astonished along with his wife, Girija, Parvati, and Astramadani and he gave me, Adan means he gave, he gave to me his own weapon. He gave to me his own weapon. So Anyeapi Chahamamunaiva Kalevaram. And uh, also Anyeapi and even others, even others here, as Prabhupada shows in the, in the translation, means even others were astonished. So even others were astonished. And aham, I amunaiva kalevarena with this very same body, with this very same body, amunaiva kalevarena, prapto mahendra bhavane mahadasanardam. I achieved in the abode of Mahendra, which means Maha Indra, great Indra. I achieved in the abode of Indra, mahadasanardam, half of the great seat, literally. Ardha means half. Mahadasana, the great seat. So I achieved half of the great seat. In other words, he was able to share with Indra this throne of the king of heaven. So Arjuna is showing all these amazing things happen that could only happen by Krishna's mercy, by, by Krishna's intervention. Otherwise, things like this just don't happen in this world. That's the idea. And then... Tatraiva may be Harato Bujadanda Yugmam Gandiva Lakshana Marati Vadhaya Devaha Sendraha Srita Jadanu Bhavitam Ajamidha Tenaham Adyamusita Purushena Vumna. So Tatraiva, so right there, Tatra means there and Tatraiva means right there. In, in heaven, because from the last verse, Arjuna's still in Indraloka or on Indraloka. So, and I was uh, Viharata, Prabhupada translates it while staying as a guest. Uh, it also means sort of enjoying myself, like the word Vihara, like. Uh, so it means to um, there's a lot of meanings to uh, spend or pass time uh, to move roam around for pleasure to enjoy oneself recreation uh, or also to just to spend or pass time somewhere. So 
So while I was spending time there, while I was enjoying myself there in Indraloka, Tatraiva, right there in Indraloka, Tatraiva may be Harato Bhuja Danda Yugmam Gandiva Lakshanam Arati Vadaya Deva Sendra Sita. So Devaha, the gods, Sa Indra, Sa means with. So the gods, including Indra, that's how you would say that in Sanskrit, Devasa. So Indra, so the gods, including Indra or with Indra, Srita took shelter of Bhuja Danda Yugmam, of my two Danda arms. Yugmam, because you know the word yuga means to link. So the word yugma or yoga, yoga means linking. So yugma from the same root can mean a pair of things, like two things that are linked, a pair. So here, Buja, my arm staff pair, literally. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds better in Sanskrit, but in other words, my two arms, which were like dandas, which were like these poles, like really. And, and also, you have to keep in mind the word danda in Sanskrit meaning the stick or the staff, also is a word for punishment, a very common word meaning punishment. So it's like my two punishing you know, uh, dandas of arms. So uh, Gandiva Lakshanam and those two arms which were adorned with Gandiva, which, which is Arjuna's famous bull, bow. So you can recognize Gandiva Lakshanam. In other words, the, the sign that those are Arjuna's arms is that they're carrying Gandiva, this very famous bow. The other warriors even knew the sound of it because when the Pandavas first came out of their uh, clandestine exile, their incognito exile, and Arjun was ecstatic to get his bow back in his hands, and he strung the bow, and he just like twanged it, and the sound of his bow was so powerful that all the Kurus who had come there for no good, re for no good purpose to steal from the king of Virat, uh, they just heard that sound of his bow, and everyone was like, uh-oh. They knew that's Arjun. So even the sound of that bow is famous. So Arjun's pair of Danda arms, which are famous for holding Gandiva. And so the gods took shelter of those arms. Deva, Sendra, Sita. The gods with Indra took shelter of his arms, Arati, Badaya, for the killing of their enemies because there were people threatening the devas. And so even the devas took shelter of Arjuna's arms. Very dramatic. The, the demon is, Prabhupada says in word for it, a demon named Nivata Kavacha. It's a funny name. Uh, Kavacha, of course, means armor. You know, like the armor you put on your body, like Narayana Kavacha and so on and so forth. So, uh, but Nivata, uh, means, um, impenetrable. Nivata, impenetrable. So, Nivata Kavacha means that this demon had in, impenetrable armor, which is a little discouraging if you have to fight that person. So when this person was threatening the, the devas with Indra, they took shelter of Arjun's arms, which are marked by 
Gandivabov, Janubhavitam, and those arms had been made powerful by Krishna. Ajamita, that's a name for Yudhisthira or Jinnas dressing him. So, so by that Lord who did all these things, Adya, today, now, Mushita, I have been cheated or I have been deprived or abandoned. Because remember, this is all going on in the context of Krishna leaving this word, world. So the word Mushita means uh, plundered, I'm bereft, deprived of, and so on. So I'm bereft of that person who did all these things. I'm deprived of him. So, tenaham adya mushita purushena, I'm bereft of the purusha, bhuna, the great one, the almighty person. So, uh, those are the verses I guess maybe we'll do today. We'll continue hopefully next Sunday. And now I will take a look and see if there are any questions today. Um, let's see, comments. Well, it's glad some people showed up after we didn't have the class for a while. So there's Ladini Shakti. Actually, I'm going to start at the top here. I can get this little thing to work. Okay, let's see. Um, thank you all for showing up. Let's see if there are any questions. Um, Thank you for your good wishes. Here's a question from Jagapalana. Isn't this a perfect example that parts of the Bhagavatam are obviously mythological where myths are used to impart moral lessons? Is it a perfect example? I don't know, because from what I've read, it seems that there really are people like Durvasa Muni. In fact, to be honest, there's sometimes you wonder if there aren't people like that in the Hare Krishna movement who have big positions but aren't always nice to other people. So um, is it obviously mythological? I would say no. It's not obviously mythological. It's... Um, <laughs> Dravasa kind of, I mean, I can't say I know people are exactly like Dravasa Muni. I mean, he's kind of an extreme example, but um, yeah, it's a good question, but I just, uh, I, I don't want to say for sure it's mythological without evidence that it is. And you could say, well, his behavior is so bizarre, but after having lived in this world for some time, I, um, I think they're really is bizarre behavior in this world. Anandalila, how can we deal with that whimsical behavior by some great souls without offending them or feeling bad that we could not meet their expectations? First of all, I don't think anyone should feel bad about not meeting unreasonable or impossible expectations. We should all sincerely do the best we can. We should sincerely do the best we can and having done that, if we can't do everything perfectly, I don't think um, 
we should necessarily feel bad. I mean, we should aspire. We should feel just bad enough to motivate us to try to do better, but not feel so bad that we just think, what's the use? Might as well give up. So there's a healthy amount of feeling bad. And yeah, we should feel bad that much. So here's something from Haladini, my old friend Haladini Shakti. Interestingly, hearing an earnestly studious and laudably learned Bhagavatam speaker, oops, giving class about Chitraki to his pastimes, one point he made, oh, one point he made was that the Bhagavatam's declaration that Chitraketu had millions of wives was not to be taken literally. Rather, it is a literary convention used sometimes in Srimad Bhagavatam to wit using hyperbole as shorthand to indicate something. Uh, in that case, for example, the vast number of wives the king had. Um, so we heard that from inter earnestly studious and laudably learned Bhagavatam speaker about she, um yeah, it's having millions of wives would um, seem seems there would be some logistical issues. So yeah, it's uh, I understand that that why that learned speaker said that. So from Bhakta Mike, is it because Dhruva is a plenary expansion of Shiva that his negative personality traits are emphasized? I don't think he's a plenary expansion. He may have some Shiva Shakti, but not plenary. And then it's mentioned his impatience and anger. Um, I No, I don't think he's just directly Lord Shiva, but he has some Shiva Shakti, so to speak. And if you look at the way Arjuna, or, or the way Lord Shiva dealt with Arjuna, it's very different from the way that um, Dravasa dealt with Arjuna. So, so from Lilakara, please. Uh, um, anger is emphasized in the Gita. Emphasizes something we should give up. How can one use sadness to one's advantage? Well, try to be sad. If you if you if you have to be sad, if you're determined to be sad then try to be sad that you're not completely pure in Krishna consciousness. And that will hopefully encourage you to, to keep trying. How can one control sadness? Well, by sincere chanting of Krishna's names. So Ramananda. At the pre so he's talking about at the present moment I am bereft of the supreme personality of Godhead by whose influence I was so powerful. Given that Arjuna lost all strength, as noted in the above verse. Oh, excuse me. Was Arjuna acting in a material body during these earthly pastimes, or was his spiritual body made to be weakened by Krishna's withdrawing his strength opulence? That's interesting. To be perfectly honest. The Bhagavatam is not explicit about this. It's not completely clear in the Bhagavatam. And therefore, I prefer not to state things where I don't have very clear scriptural reference for it. Unambiguous verification. 
So uh, I think that's going to remain a mystery for at least a little longer. So in verse 42, Alessandro Vida, in verse 42 of chapter 18 of Bhagavad Gita, 1842, Krishna describes the qualities of a Brahmana, none of which Dravasa Muni seems to possess. <laughs> I guess that's kind of uh, being blunt. Could we consider him as a non-Brahmana despite his social status? In other words, how much of a person's varna was determined by social custom or by the person's qualifications in Vedic times? That's a very good question. I think on his better days, uh, Dervasa did have some Brahminical qualities. He was kind to... Um, Kunti, he gave her that boon, which was a caused a big mess. But at least he gave her a boon. He's trying to be helpful, and she served him nicely. So apparently, when people serve Durvasa nicely, or at least serve him according to what he thinks is owed to him, he can be very nice. So I wouldn't say he has no brahminical. He had no brahminical qualities, perhaps in the moment of. Uh, you know, sabotaging the Pandavas, but at other times, I think he does better. Yes, according to Haladini, uh, yes, uh, Dervasa showed up with a lot of disciples. That's what I should do. I should somehow get like thousands of disciples and invade temples and then demand that we all eat. Or maybe I won't do that. So, Gary Stevenson, oh, He's always oh, saying that Mike has an interesting question, so I think I just answered that. Uh, so then the purport, yes, the purport to 1511 is stated as understood Durvasa as a plenary incarnation of Shiva. Yeah, Prabhupada in his comments about these things, especially like plenary and partial, um, sometimes it's uh, not exactly uh, precise. It's not that Prabhupada is not a pure devotee. That's not the point. It's that sometimes on these details, which are not philosophical points, uh, he would say things which uh, are not exactly the case. Uh, and this is exactly in accord with what Prabhupada said. He said a pure devotee is infallible when directly quoting Shastra. So Prabhupada himself gave us this hermeneutic or this um, he gave us this criteria. So according to Prabhupada's criteria, a statement about Dravasa being plenary for a plenary form of Shiva where there's no Shastra, according to Prabhupada's own teaching, is not necessarily the case. So thank you all very much. Um, appreciate your coming to our little Sunday class. Hope you all have a great week, and we'll be back to, uh, next week. Hare Krishna.